You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. Ephesians, the first chapter and verse seven says this. In him, him being Jesus, so glad to see you, Ron. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, let me have a show of hands real quick. Don't, you're not going to be judged at all. How many of you have never heard that scripture before in your life? Just raise your hand. Good. I'm in the right place. It's wonderful. Great. We're going to make sure it makes sense to you. In him, we have redemption. Where? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I want to tag this topic today, our first week, and I want to challenge you as well. Look around the room right now. Just look around the room. Look around. I want to challenge all of you all who are here and those of you who are on streaming right now. I want to challenge you something I've never challenged some of you all before. I want you not to miss a Sunday for the next six weeks. That's all I'm asking. For six weeks, for those of you who are not, you know, part of this family, it's okay. You go where you got to go. But for those of you who are part of this church... This is going to revolutionize and shift this church. And I don't want you to come back and see the windows changed and you don't know when we upgraded. You want to be here. So next six weeks, don't leave here for the next six weeks. So I want to talk today from this topic and just look at someone and say these words. Say freedom ain't cheap. Tell somebody else, freedom ain't cheap. You may be seated. Freedom ain't cheap. When we talk about freedom, sometimes we, you know, don't, don't y'all go away too far, but y'all stay around. I mean, you can go, y'all go and take some water breaks and bathroom breaks and all that type of stuff, but don't go back into 2022. All right. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> don't. <laughs> all right, let me get out of that. Um, a lot of times we sing, Kamisha, we sing songs about freedom and we shout about freedom and we talk about stuff like, you know, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free and free. But sometimes we use words that we don't even understand what it means. And a lot of times when it comes to even this particular scripture that I'm not going to stay on, but when we look at this and it talks about, um, put the scripture on the screen real quick, and it talks about, it says in him, in Jesus, talking about Jesus, he says we have redemption. That word redemption is a word that comes from the word redeem. The word redeem is a mathematical term that basically means to buy back. Mm -hmm. In him, we have been redeemed. Now, to redeem means uh, basically, and I'm going to go into it in a little bit, but basically, you're, when you have to be redeemed, that means you're not able to purchase your own freedom. So when you're not able to purchase your own freedom, you need someone to redeem you. Now, according to Leviticus, and I'm going to get into it a little bit, in Leviticus, in that chapter that none of us read, but in Leviticus it says, if you are going to be redeemed, if you can't redeem yourself, you need a kinsman, someone who's kin to you to redeem you, which means someone has to be related to you in order to redeem you, basically to say, as we say in the insurance world, I have invested interest in that person. You can't get insurance on anybody that you don't have invested interest, meaning they're my cousin, they're my mom or my dad or whatever. So you can't redeem anybody that you're not kin to. Jesus became my kinsman redeemer. Jesus, he bought me with himself. When the devil thought he had me, Jesus said, no, that's mine. You can't keep them. He became my kinsman redeemer. He, he, these are words we don't really say too much in the church anymore, but he's not only your Lord, but he's also kin to you. Scripture says over in Hebrew, we do not have a priest who is not acquainted with all of your sufferings. He became like you to free you. He didn't become you, but became like you to free you. 
so that you would know so that he would know what it meant to be bound he put on my stuff and redeemed me so that I would never have to take the stuff anymore in him we have redemption someone say I'm redeemed we used to sing a song a long time ago that says if anybody asks you just who I am tell them I am redeemed which means my life was purchased and this purchase wasn't cheap he shed something in order that I might be free he purchased me that's what it says in him we have redemption through the blood and the forgiveness of sins now forgiveness of sins doesn't necessarily mean just the washing away of it doesn't mean just the removal of it but it doesn't just mean paying the penalty of it but what it means is no longer does sin have any control over me what does that mean it doesn't mean I don't still do wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm not capable of wrong. But it means that sin no longer has a grip on me. Because he has brought me, meaning that he has redeemed me to the point that even when it tries to grab me, it can't keep me because it no longer owns me. I'm no longer owned by what I got free from. I'm no longer owned, which is important for you to realize that because anytime you keep going back to something that you no longer are, when you go back to that, the reason that you don't feel the same is because he redeemed you from that. You going back is basically going back out of routine, not based on your life. Come here, 2 Corinthians 5th chapter, verse 17 says, if any man is in Christ... He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What happens is my soul was redeemed. My body just didn't get the notification. He has redeemed me. Someone say redeemed. I'm trying to teach y'all. Y'all ready? I want to go deeper. Here it is. We understand that even last night, which we call watch night. Uh, and, and some of us in the historical African-American context, or we call it um, New Year's Eve service, but it was once upon a time called Freedom's Eve, which was a Christian religious service held on New Year's Eve, and it was associated with many African-American churches. Basically, it was a celebration and remembrance of the Emancipation Proclamation, which was enacted on January the 1st, 1863 which freed enslaved persons in the Confederate States through the American Civil War. The tradition of Watch Night may be traced, some of it's traced to 18th century with Moravian churches, when churchgoers began making the occasion uh, visual to reflect on the year. John Wesley adapted it uh, to the practice of Methodist followers and some visuals, they did that, but it was given new significance among African Americans on December 31st, 1862, when according to the tradition, enslaved persons in the Confederate States gathered in churches and private homes on the night before President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was expected to go into effect. The soon-to-be enslaved persons stayed awake all night and watched the night turn and to the dawn of which they were waiting the news that the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued, thus making all enslaved people legally free. Now, though that was signed on January the 1st, 1863, some people did not get the notification until June 19th, 1865. Everybody wasn't free on July the 4th. So some of the reasons I have issues, or some of us not issues, my, my personal self, the reason that some of us can't wear red, white, and blue is because it didn't necessarily apply to me. Because it took some of us a few years to get the notification that we were free. It wasn't just an executive order, hear this, and I'm going to get out of that, but it wasn't just an executive order that President Lincoln wrote, but there were roughly 179,000 black soldiers who fought among the many other soldiers to ensure the freedom. Many of those who fought lost their lives to make sure that other people were free. 
what I'm trying to explain to you in the historical context is that freedom is not cheap. Somebody had to die to make sure that somebody else was free. The reason that I'm starting here as far as it relates to freedom is concerned is that it's one thing for you to be spiritually free, but what if you are spiritually free but you're not naturally free? Some of you have been spiritually redeemed by Jesus Christ because you gave your life to Christ and it is your inherent right to be free by Christ. But we were not born free. Hear this. We were not born free. You were not free until you got born again. How do I know this? Because scripture says in Psalm, it was in sin that my mother conceived me. That means I was born in sin, scripture says, and can I teach this, and shapen in iniquity. That means my natural habitat is ratchet. I am naturally wrong. That's why I had to come in Nicodemus. He said, shall I crawl back into my mother's womb and do that natural thing again? He said, no, Ron Wilbur, you cannot do a flesh thing again. This thing, you've got to be born again. And that which is born again has to be born of spirit. You've done well with the flesh, but you've got to be born again of the spirit. Can't be born by my own because I can't trust me. You talk about you don't trust me. Heck, I don't trust me. I need his spirit. Look at someone say, you want me with him. I, I need Jesus. I, I need him because there's nothing nice connected to this flesh. Nothing. Scripture says it even deeply. All have sinned. Not just your mama, not just your cousin, not somebody you saying, I wish they went to church to hear this. You boo, you sin. All of us have sinned and all of us fall short of the glory of God. You don't get to say them lesbians. Girl, you a cheater. You a gossip. You can't judge people. All of us got something. And matter of fact, why are you going to judge somebody for something you like secretly? You judge me, but you secretly want to be with me. You are live. You are. You are. You're just a sinner. <laughs> Couldn't even get it out. All of us have sinned. You're talking about. I can't believe them. I can't believe you because you scroll and look at them while they're asleep. Your curiosity is going to kill your cat. Feel it. Feel it. Happy New Year. All have sinned. Someone had to pay for it. But many of us don't understand the cost. My beautiful, my beautiful, almost alike me, looking like me son, Miles, does not understand the cost of food. He just doesn't. He sees it and he eats. And then he blames me for it. He says, Dah, you said food is here to be eaten. <laughs> yes, but it must be paid for. And when I was young, I didn't appreciate it either. I just knew that it was there. But when you are on your own and bills come in your name. When you go to the grocery store and you say milk is this high. You go to the gas station and say child please. I remember a time I could just put five dollars in and I could go all over town. Now five dollars won't get me off this gas station. I aged myself because I do remember that time. Uh, but you, it means something to you when you're paid. I remember when I was growing up, Pastor Station, my parents would be yelling at me for staying in the, in the, uh, in the shower for 30 minutes. They'd be like, the water bill's going up. Cut it off. Well, my grandparents' house, and you would have the doors open. They would say, you're going to air condition the whole neighborhood. Close that door. It's when you pay for it, you appreciate it. But as it relates to church and as it relates to who we are, 
It's hard to defend what you don't value. I don't have an issue with people talking about me, but I do have an issue, an issue when you're friends with who's talking about me. Because then my question is, why did they feel so comfortable? Why did they feel so comfortable talking about me to you? And you can't tell me what you said, but you can tell me what they said. When you don't value something or a relationship, you can't defend it. But when you value it, what you say is, now look, <laughs> you can talk about whoever you want to, but what you won't do <laughs> is talk about that or them or anybody. We can, I mean, we cool until you cross that line. And when it comes about Jesus, my question is, why have you allowed everybody to move you to vibrations? And to manifesting and to um, energy. But you can't defend Jesus because you're so enlightened. This is not popular. I do really understand this. Why are we so enlightened but more depressed? So knowledgeable but more bound up. It reminds me of a scripture that says, uh, it says that people uh, in the last days, people will be uh, lovers of themselves. They will not even want to hear the truth anymore. But I'm telling you, when you're locked up in something, you want somebody who can get you out of it. And I want to make sure you know how to defend Jesus. So here we go here. I'm through. Oh, I'm not through, but I'm getting out of that. God started in the beginning of time in pursuing you someone say he's pursuing me how do i know this in genesis the first chapter and verse 26 scripture says can i teach this genesis the first chapter verse 26 says then god said let us make man in our image our imago dei in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God was okay by himself, but he said, I want company. Yeah. God looked at dust and saw you. He said, I see something in that dust. When somebody tells you you got a life full of dirt, you say, that's what I came from. He thought I was worth breathing into. And he made me human flesh. Let us make man in our image, Imago Dei, and after our likeness. And he says, but what happened is, when you don't appreciate what you have, you mess it up. What did Adam do? Mess it up. God told him he had all this, all this to do, but don't do that. And what is it? Every time you tell us what not to do, what do we do? Do what you tell us not to do. Don't look at that, we look at it. Don't eat that, we want to eat it. That's what Adam did, so don't judge him because it's in all of us. So Adam went to something that he had no business uh, being a part of, and then he blamed the woman for it. He said, the woman you gave me, if she wouldn't have gave me her, then I wouldn't be where I am. And the woman didn't take ownership, she said the devil did it. Reminds me of Flip Wilson. The devil did it. We want to, some of y'all know who that is, whatever, right. forget it. The devil, the devil, and a lot of us blame everything on the devil. And, and Dania, there was this story of this one time that the devil was before God and, and the devil was crying. And God said, what you crying about? What's wrong with you, man? The devil was snotting and crying. He said, what's wrong with you? He said, the devil said, people are blaming me for stuff I hadn't even done. And there are a lot of us who are blaming the devil for stuff that he hasn't even done. The devil does not tempt you with stuff you don't want. Everything you got into, you want it to get into. All of us have something that we have to check. And if we don't check it, all of us get into areas we're not supposed to be in. Someone say all of us. So the first human beings messed it up. And from every person after Adam, everyone was trying to correct what Adam messed up. 
Abel came along. Abel brought a sacrifice. Abraham killed something because uh, I don't want to miss this part. In order to cover up what Adam did, don't miss this, God had to kill something that he didn't intend to kill. The first killing was God killing an animal to cover me. They were walking around naked and unashamed. But as soon as they realized they were naked, God had to kill an animal to cover them. He covered them based on a, that was the first sacrifice to kill an animal to cover me. After that, then Abel, he made a sacrifice, killed an animal. God accepted his, his sacrifice and his brother killed him for it. His brother did not like it. Then we go on and everybody said, Noah, uh, after Noah, after the, uh, the, the ark parked, after the ark parked, that sounds good. After the ark parked, after the flood, sorry, that was free. After the ark parked, after the flood, it says, then, Abra, then, then Noah offered up a sacrifice. Scripture also says that Abraham offered up a sacrifice. He altered to, to the point that Abraham had even taught his family how to sacrifice. How do I know this? I'm glad you asked. Because when Adam, I mean, excuse me, when Abraham was going up the mountain his son said to him he said I see the wood and I see the fire but where is the sacrifice because Abraham had taught his child that there is no worship without sacrifice you can praise break all you want you can run all of this church all you want, but worship God responds to sacrifice, which means what did it cost you to give that? You can shout and praise break and break all your heels and give no sacrifice. Sacrifice is required to honor God. Sacrifice. So Abraham, his son Isaac said, oh, th there's a sacrifice. And God said, what did Abraham say? He knew God, uh, God had tested him. He said, I want you to give me your son. God, Abraham didn't know how it was going to go out. He didn't know how it was going to work out. But he said to his son, he said, God will provide. When he was getting ready to kill his son, he had a knife. He was getting ready to sacrifice because he knew that God required sacrifice. All of a sudden, God said, stop. Look over in the thicket. You'll see a ram. The only reason I asked you to do that is because I wanted you to know what sacrifice costs. That sometimes you'll have to sacrifice the very thing you love. And as I am showing you, Abraham, how to sacrifice something you love, I'm going to later on in 42 generations have to sacrifice something I love. It was a theophany, meaning it was a manifestation of God showing himself that later on I'm showing you a foreshadowing of what I'm going to have to do with my son on the cross. He's going to have to die, but your child doesn't have to die. But my child's going to die so that your son can live. We go on and we get now to the Israelites. I'm almost, is this helping you? I, I mean, I know it's deep. Some of you have never heard this. We go on to the Israelites. The Israelites had been in captivity for 400 years under the oppression of Pharaoh. They cried out. They said, Lord, deliver us. Lord, set us free. Lord, get us out of this. God nudged someone who knew the system but who was no longer in the system because he had got delivered from the system to go back to speak to the system. Uh, you'll get that later. He says, you're not in the system. I'm going to take you out of the system. I wanted you to learn the system because you're going to later have to speak to the system. There's some of y'all who are in jobs right now that you're going to later on run, but you have to learn everything you got to learn so that when you get out of it, you can speak back to it. So don't overlook all the meetings. Don't overlook all the things you're in right now now because God is raising you in the system to take you out of the system so you can turn around and speak to the system Moses got out of the system he called Moses called him he said Moses my people need to be delivered Moses said good who are you going to choose to deliver them you not me yes you he said who will I say sent me he said, when you go back, tell them I am. He said, what's your last name? That I am. I'm so good that I can say my name twice. Everything you will need, I'm already that. 
Everything that you're going to face, I'm already that. Whatever you're going to go through in February, I'm already there. Whatever you're going to go through in March, I'm already there. Whatever you're going to go through in July, I'm already there. I know it's your new year, but I've already stepped in 2023. And I am already the author and the finisher of 2023. Before you have another New Year's Eve party, I'm already in 2024. Because I know no time. I am that I am. I am. I already been there. That's why you got to know me to know where you're going. Jesus, I hope this is helping somebody. I know this is really deep. It goes on and says, in the middle, he says, I want you to go. When he goes to them, uh, uh, Pastor Stacia, we, we, uh, uh, no, I'm not ready just yet. Not ready. Hold on. Just hold on. let me build this a little bit more. In captivity and in bondage, I will. Thank you, sister. Thank you so much. Here in bondage and captivity, this is the part. Finally, God, uh, Moses went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh resisted, which is to say, commission. Anybody who thinks they own you don't want to let you go. Anything that think it has a grip on you doesn't want to let you go easily. That's why it's hard to be delivered. Some people act like it's so easy that you came up and got an altar call and we laid oil on you, which is only something I bought from the store and blessed anyway. But you think that that thing, that oil I pulled on you, delivered you from 15 years of that? That devil is not happy that you think you got delivered. Mind you, I said you think you got delivered. Lord. <laughs> That's why a lot of times you can get delivered in your soul, but your body still has traits of what you just came from. You get delivered from smoking, but your body still has that... You just want it because you hadn't had caught up yet. It takes a long time to get something out of your system. Why don't we preach this no more? It takes a minute to go through things and transition and changes. It does not happen in a wink. It takes time. That's why James Cleveland wrote the song, Please Be Patient With Me. God's not through with me. Do me a favor, look at somebody and say, Be patient with me. I'm learning something I didn't know I could be. I'm becoming something I didn't know I could be and it's taking me time because all I know is my mama's ways. It's taking me a minute to learn God's ways because I'm being delivered from what I know so that I can now be transitioned into who knows me. It's taking me a minute. Alexa, it's taking me some time to stop cussing like that. Taking me some time. I'm learning. I'm working on it. Just don't push me. Because I'm still learning. Still working on it. So Moses went to the people. God raised them up. God raised them up. He spoke to Pharaoh. He said, God said, let my people go. Moses didn't say, I said. He said, I'm here on God's power. God said, my people were never designed to be enslaved. That's what God said. God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, on whose accord? I am that I am sent me. He told me. Many signs later, Pharaoh reluctantly let the people go. When he let the people go, Moses took them from Israel to, I mean, from, excuse me, from Egypt to the wilderness. Lord Jesus have mercy. Some of y'all think that when you get delivered, all of a sudden you're supposed to be a preacher next week. You get delivered, now I'm supposed to be a worship leader. I just want to worship. I just want to take people before his presence. You just learned his presence. He took them from deliverance, from delivering from Egypt to a walk in the wilderness. Which means sometimes after deliverance, there's a walk in it. I got to start to walk this thing out. I got to learn what this looks like. And the wilderness is not pretty. Because the wilderness is not a luxurious place that everybody wants to go to. Because what happens in the wilderness is the people I used to be with are no longer with me. Because I'm in the wilderness. People who used to drink with me, people who used to smoke with me, when I'm in the wilderness, they say I've changed. And the fact is I have changed and I'm in the wilderness. I don't know who I was. I don't know who I'm going to be. I'm in the wilderness and it ain't pretty but stick with me long enough and eventually I'll get where I'm going 
I'm in the wilderness. I'm in the wilderness. I'm in between. He took them from deliverance into a place where you'll be tried to see are you delivered. Took them out of Egypt, put them in the wilderness. In the wilderness, it says that even though they were in the wilderness, it was supposed to be a short journey, took them 40 years. Because sometimes it takes time to get what you were in out of you. They left Egypt, but it takes a long time to get Egypt out of you. You ain't in a lot of your relationships no more, but it took you a long time to stop dating people who look like them. It took a minute. It took time. <laughs> Lord have mercy. It took time. In the wilderness, they got out, but it wasn't out of them. But in the middle of the wilderness, Alex, God said to Moses, he said, build me a place. Build me a sanctuary. Build me a tabernacle. Build me a place which to say before this time, all of them had been hearing God or they had had encounters with God. Noah had an encounter with God. Moses had an encounter with God. Abraham had an encounter with God. But God had no place to dwell. So God said, build me a sanctuary. Build me a place. What is a sanctuary? A sanctuary is a holy spot or a safe place. Build me a safe place to dwell. Give me a, that's what this is supposed to be, a safe place. This is not supposed to be the place where people tell your business. This is supposed to be a safe place. Someone say safe place. He says, build me a sanctuary. He says, build them a sanctuary. Then it goes on. Now, this is the part that I, I was confused about. I'm almost through here. What I was confused about is, how can we build something and I'm in the wilderness? How can I build a tabernacle? How can I build a sanctuary when I was just in bondage? What do I build with? What do I build with when I'm in the wilderness? I don't have nothing to build with. Well, my question is, who told you they didn't have nothing? I love y'all love y'all looking at me like y'all looking. Who told y'all that just because they got delivered that they were delivered broke? Who told you that just because they were in the wilderness, they were broke? Because that's the story we love to talk about. They were in the wilderness. It must be hard in the wilderness. Just because I'm in an in-between season don't mean I don't have my needs provided. Just because I'm in between season, just because doesn't mean God's not still making ways for me. Just because I'm in between season don't mean I don't still have favor. It might not look favorable right now, but the fact that I'm still alive means God is still keeping me. I'm in the wilderness, but I still got peace of mind. I might not have a fat paid paycheck, but you can't pay for this peace I got. You can't pay for this sound mindness I got. You can't pay for this less life I have. Freedom ain't cheap. I might not have what you think is success, but for me, success is just being alive. So in the wilderness, God asked for an offering. God asked, uh, Pastor Stacey, will you read that real quick? It's Exodus, the 25th chapter and verse 1. It says this. Go there real quick. Exodus, the 25th chapter, verse 1. Say this. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. Hold on. What is contribution? Say it again. Say it again, brother, because some of these people don't know what that is. You don't know what no offering is because you haven't given one. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Say it again. Say it, read it one more time. Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. Take for who? For me. It didn't say take for the pastor. It didn't say make the pastor fat. Make the pastor all bling. It ain't, it ain't the real preachers of Kentucky. It says lift up an offering for me, which means sometimes God requires an offering. So if God is requiring an offering, why don't we do it? All right, keep going. They can't take more. Go ahead. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution. That's the part. Every man who has a heart to do it. That goes, takes me to the scripture, Pastor Caesar. It says, let every man be a cheerful giver. Don't give grudgingly. 
Don't you dare give because I asked you to give. Because I would rather you love me because you want to love me. Don't you dare love me because I'm telling you to love me. Don't you dare worship me because I'm telling you to worship me. I love people who want to do it. If you don't want to be here, get out. Keep going. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen. Goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. He said, everything that you give, I'm going to make something out of it. Your offering, when God asks you for something, it's not just for us to just be like, oh, look at how great we are. God builds stuff with that. It's his church. He builds stuff with that. What you give and what you don't give, he can't build. It's his church. Someone say his church. He says, let them make me a sanctuary. So we said they didn't have nothing. Well, let's go on. Go to read that next scripture. Exodus 12. Uh, y'all love this. I, know, I hope y'all love the Bible. I want y'all to love the Bible. Someone say, I love the Bible. We made the confession, but I want you to love it. Uh, Exodus is 12, chapter 33 to 36. Read this. Go ahead. The Ephesians were urgent. Say that one more time. Egyptians. The, excuse me. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So what happened was, they got tired of God fighting them. God kept singing plagues, frogs, pestilence in the land. The firstborn had died, all that type of stuff. To the point that they said, I'd rather stop fighting with God. I better just let you go. Let me tell you something. You don't ever have to fight nobody to let you go. God will fight for you. You don't have to fight a person. God will fight them. God said, God, met, God messed with them so much that they said, just, just get out. Just leave. Just, just get out of Egypt because we can't take no more. That's why it says, the Egyptians said, just go. Just get out So we all, before we all be dead. Keep going. Verse 34. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians. Woo, don't miss it. Say that one more time. Woo, this part, the people one. of yes. Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. Yes. And the Lord had given the people favor. He, the Lord gave them what? Gave the people favor. He gave them favor in bondage. I wish I had a church. He didn't wait till they got out to give them favor. He gave them favor while they were still in. <laughs> Lord Jesus. While they were still in captivity, God gave them favor. Go on. It says this. Go on. Giving the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. <laughs> Thus they <laughs> plundered what the Egyptians. What you said. They let them have it. I know y'all missed it. They were in captivity. The people who were captive were rich. The people who were in bondage asked for their money, for their stuff, for their gold, for their silver. But because the people had been tortured and said, I would just rather you leave. Go on, have what you're going to have. Have my stuff, have my money, have my riches. What's the Bible for that? The wealth of the riches, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Oh, God, I wish I had a Bible church. Y'all would have started running all up and down Man of War right now if you really knew what that meant. They were in captivity, and all of a sudden, they said, just take my stuff. So what did they build the church with? What did they build the temple with? With stolen stuff. Oh, no. Wait a minute. It wasn't stolen. If I was a slave, that means I worked for it, so it was mine anyway. I didn't work for I didn't work for all that stuff to get nothing. Everything I have, everything the devil took from me, I got it all back. Someone said I got it all back. They were walking in the wilderness. I mean, the Bible says they was walking blinging. I mean, they were walking in the wilderness like 
You got, girl, what, what you got? How many carrots you got? Walking around, going into the wilderness with stuff. I'm going to give you stuff. I'm going to give you stuff. to. I'm going to let you be wealthy in the wilderness. God gave Moses instructions what to do with the offering, how to construct the sanctuary. He said, build it how I say. Build it how I say. Someone say how he says. Not what the people say, but build it according to the pattern. Because Moses, God, I want you to, he said, God tells Moses to build a tent. A tent means a tabernacle. A tabernacle means a place of dwelling. And from Exodus 24 through 31, God gives instructions. Put my tabernacle up there. God gives some instructions on what to do. He says, build me a tabernacle. If you look at this tabernacle, what you will see around it is a tent. It is or a curtains that they used in their offering. They had curtains. <laughs> Not only did they take their jewelry, they said, give me your curtains. I like those curtains. Give them to me. This took snatched curtains off the windows like I want those curtains. They used all that stuff and put it around the temple. And then you see a gate. And then you see these different things that I'm going to go through. You're going to see these things uh, uh, that we're going to go through. Go to the next uh, version I have. And you will see this place of the tabernacle. The first thing you see that arrow there, you will see that is the place of entrance. Right there after the place of entrance is the altar of burnt offering or the brazen offering, uh, brazen altar. And then we have the labor and all these different things. And we're going to go through all these things in the next six weeks. Uh, but, but we're right here. Where we're at right now is at the door, at the gate. Someone say, I'm at the gate. I'm at the gate. That's the first place I'm at. Which shows you how to enter. And this is the thing I love. And this is how I'm, I'm wrapping up here. A lot of you say stuff like, it doesn't matter what you believe. It don't matter what you call. It doesn't matter, it don't matter what you say. It's, it's okay. You can say anything. You can call, whatever God, call God whatever you want to call him. All this type of stuff. But it's hard because that's not what the Bible says. John, the 14th chapter, verse 6 says this. It says, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except they come through me. Which means, church, there's only one door. If there's only one door, why are you trying to make another? There's only one way. If I was apostolic, they'd say there's only one way. There's only one door. Someone say there's only one door. But how do you enter that door? Pastor Sasha, how do you enter the door? Psalms 100 and verse 4. What does it say? Go there. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do I enter the gate? With thanksgiving. And into his courts. With praise. I tell you, church, I'm tired of this quiet church. When you enter in, enter in with thanksgiving. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to be in my right mind. I'm grateful that he saved me. I'm grateful that I'm here. Before the worship team sings a note, I'm happy to be here. Choir used to sing the song, marching down the robe, marching down the aisle with robes on it. They would say, I'm glad to be in this service. I'm glad to be. They would march down the road because they were glad to be here one more time. First time many of us greet people and we say, how you doing? Oh, my neck, my back, my children, my money. First thing you should do when you come in here, I'm just so happy. Glory to your name. I praise you. I thank you that I'm here. I don't even know what you're going to do, but you've done so much for me. I know you're going to do something. I just enter into your gates with thanksgiving. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm happy. Someone say I'm happy. That's how you enter in. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. What is praise? I praise you for what you've done. You brought me from 2022 to 2023. I praise you for that. You didn't allow, you allowed me to wake. I'm a little tired, but I'm awake. I'm not in the hospital. Thank you. I'm not dead. Thank you. Everything's not where I wanted to be. Thank you. Thank you that I can move my hands. Thank you that I can feel my feet. 
Thank you that this is the same dress I wore three weeks ago, but I got something to wear. Thank you that I got a shower. Thank you that my water runs. Thank you that I can breathe in and out. Thank you that I can breathe on my own. Thank you that COVID didn't take me out. Thank you that I can hear with my ears. Thank you that I can see with my eyes. Thank you for my children. They ain't acting right, but thank you that I hadn't got a call that nobody died. Nobody got shot. Nobody died in a car accident. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you for being a good God to me. Thank you for being a wonderful counselor. Thank you for being a bridge over troubled waters. Thank you for being a lawyer in the courtroom. Thank you for being a friend to the friendless. Thank you for being a mother to the motherless. Thank you for being a father to the fatherless. Thank you for lifting me up. Thank you that when I was sinking, you lifted me. Thank you when I had no friend. You became my friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is for me to carry everything to you in prayer. Thank you for Monday. Hadn't even seen it yet. But thank you for Monday. Thank you for a job. Thank you for bills. Thank you for a car. Thank you for Uber. Thank you for a Lyft. Thank you for a taxi. Thank you for a church band. Thank you for a pew. Thank you for organists. Thank you for the lights. Thank you for air conditioning. Thank you for Kroger's. Thank you for Walmart. Thank you that I got a little bit of money. Thank you that I got a little bit of savings. Thank you got a little bit of my right mind. Thank him for everything for being good to you. That's how I get to church. I praise you just because of who you are, for what you've done. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Didn't have to bless me what you did. We used to sing a song a long time ago in the church. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Do me a favor and look at three people and say, I got so many. I can't even tell you all that he's done for me. And to his gates with thanksgiving. And to his courts with praise. Give thanks and bless his name. Can we take about 60 seconds and give thanks and bless his name? Before he answers your request, give you thanks. I give you praise. I give you glory. Before you heal my body, thank you. Before you make my enemies behave, thank you. Before you close doors, thank you. Before you open doors, thank you. Before you save my child, thank you that you're able. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's how we're supposed to come into church. You shouldn't need a cheerleader to come up here and say, Praise the Lord, church! Praise the Lord, church! Praise the Lord, church! Praise the Lord, church! You should out praise the worship team so that the praise fills the room that you can't even hear the song because you are glad. Skip a drum track. Skip a screen. I want to praise you for who you are in my life. If you praise him right, it'll shift the whole room. If you praise him right, we'll forget what songs we had planned. Because I was glad. A good praise service will shift everything. A good praise service will heal somebody. A good praise service will make devils uncomfortable. A good praise service will shift your whole family. It ain't a drum track. It ain't a praise break. It's a think break. When I think of the goodness of Jesus. That's how I walk in church. Just grateful. Uh, no, no, no. Just grateful. Soon as I enter the gate, I'm grateful. I don't even know what the pastor's going to preach, but I'm just so happy that I can hear a word. Because there used to be a time I was in a club and I didn't want to hear a word. There, there used to be a time I didn't even want to be in church, but I'm just glad I'm here. All right. Enter your gates. Thanksgiving, your course with praise. I'm trying to get through this. I got to get through it. I got six weeks. I got to get out of this. Y'all sit down. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Y'all make me preach. Sit down. Thank you for being so obedient. God bless you. Enter with praise. But after that, 
the first thing you go there, go back to that thing, that uh, tabernacle, tabernacle diagram. Soon as I get through the gate, soon as I walk in, what's the first thing I see? A brazen altar. You see all those animals around the brazen altar? Because as soon as I get through praising, the first thing that's required is sacrifice. I mean, grateful for your praise. That's wonderful. But I require sacrifice. Soon as you walk in, it's a bloody place. Scripture says, go to Exodus 12, chapter verse 5. Give me five minutes, I'll get out of this. Exodus 12, chapter verse 5 says this. Uh, your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old you may take it from the sheep or from the goats read this pastor station first peter first chapter verse 18 through 19 says this for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed what that means is you don't get to flaunt on your stuff he didn't require your stuff your money is great but it's not good when I won't sacrifice. It's quiet in this Episcopalian assembly. Keep going. Mm. You were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's what this praise. Y'all hear y'all hear all the praise in the room. Like, like it, it what I it what I couldn't pay my way to heaven. I couldn't pay my way to righteousness. I couldn't pay my way to sanctification. But he required a blood. He required a lamb without blemish. Meaning the lamb had no defects in it. Even though I had defects, the lamb had no defects. Required a lamb. Required a lamb. So everybody who came, this is the part, brothers, right here. I don't want you to miss this. All my brothers in the room, just make some noise. All brothers, make some noise. Yeah, all brothers. Every male brought a lamb for the house don't show me your muscles if you can't show me your lamb every male showed their family how to worship every male showed their family how to sacrifice you might look good on the ground but do you look good in sacrifice have you taught your family how to worship? And for those of you who have no family, do you worship before you get one? Every male brought a lamb and said, on behalf of my house, this lamb's got to die. That but that male, that man, and I, this is not for those of you who are women, or those of you like, well, what about me? You weren't required to do what we were supposed to do. And some of y'all have tried to become a man because the man won't do what he's supposed to do. So you have attracted yourself to be male likeness instead of being your feminine self that you're supposed to be because of the absence of who we were supposed to be. But when the man gets in his right position, a man takes the lamb and what he did was he took that lamb and he would hold the lamb and he would take a knife and slit its throat so that the lamb died. Go put my brazen altar up there. If you look at the brazen altar that's going to appear on the screen, and you look at that. There are three horns on those, four horns. They would take a rope and tie it on each spoke, on each horn. They would tie the lamb to make sure that the lamb didn't go anywhere. They would tie the lamb to make sure because no lamb wants to die without a fight. But to ensure that the sacrifice didn't go anywhere, they would tie it to that to make sure. Oh, four. I'm sorry, y'all don't see it. Four, the lamb, the lamb, the lamb tied Oh, that's, that's four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four. The gospel. Oh, that, that's, that's the cross. The head, the foot, pierced his hands. The lamb. 
can lay there. That's why when, when John was baptizing in the water, all of a sudden when John baptized in the water, give me this scripture right there, John 129, Pastor Stacia. John 129, John was baptizing, and all of a sudden in the middle of John's baptism, he looks and he says this, say this. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the who, Lamb of God. Who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. He took away what I couldn't do. He became my sacrifice. He died so I didn't have to die. He became the sacrifice because I couldn't give the sacrifice. He became my substitute. Go to my next scripture here. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 5 through 7. This is my last scripture. Read this real quick. We're done. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no Hold pleasure. Hold on. What that means is for years, they kept trying to do that on their own. For years, they kept, it was bloody. Everybody's family was going. Everybody's family was giving offering. Everybody's family was doing this bloody stuff. And they couldn't do it on their own. He says, for years, we tried to do this on our own. Verse, verse 7 says this. Then I said, Jesus said, behold, I have come. Yes. In the volume of the book. Yes. It is written of me to do your will. He oh said, God. you couldn't do it. So I had to come. You couldn't free yourself. So I had to come. I had to become. Now behold the lamb. The precious lamb of God. Born into sin that I may live again, the precious Lamb of God. Like He had to come so that I might be. That's why we say, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see how? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. Come on. Is that flow that makes me white as snow? No other found I know. This is the part I love. He was tied to the cross. Not only was he nailed, tied to it. We used to sing, Donald Bell used to sing the song, he would not come down from the cross just to save me. I mean, he, he decided to die. I mean, he became the lamb. I mean, no one took his life. He gave it up willingly. They didn't have to tie him. He gave it willingly. After you come through that gate, the first thing is sacrifice. Now, now we don't have to do all that. We don't have to give the blood and kill things or whatever. But you do have to remember the sacrifice. We used to sing the song. Um, it says, um, oh, um, the, the song, uh, Jesus paid it all, says, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray indeed my all in all this is Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain but he washed it why does no someone say Jesus paid it all what I'm saying to you brothers and sisters I end here freedom ain't cheap so if you know what Jesus did for you how can you sit there and not worship him? How can you not give him glory? Because he paid a debt that none of us could pay on our own. So when I enter into church, and because what I'm saying is, when you cancel stuff, how can you cancel sacrifice? I can't cancel this place because he died for this place. He died for this place. He, he died for me. I mean, he didn't have to, but he did.
He died that I might be free. So I give him glory because I couldn't pay for it. I couldn't pay for it. So let's take a few moments, just give God glory for a price that Jesus paid. All of this, this tabernacle that I'm going to go through for the next few weeks, this first week, it's all a foreshadowing of Jesus. All of it. Jesus became the sacrifice, even though in the Old Testament he required a sacrifice. The Old Testament is the concealing of Jesus. The New Testament is the revealing of Jesus. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing. It's showing us a template of how we enter and how we have relationship with him. So this week, as you go into prayer, and this week, as you go into your day, and this week, and next Sunday when you come to church, when you go through those doors, that, that one door, when you go come through the day, you're like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I'm here. Like, it, it is the checking place. It checks my attitude first. To say, Lord, blood was required for me to be here. Blood was required for me to be here. We're going to go right now before we do our altar call. Now is the perfect time for us to go into our communion. It's the perfect time for us to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So now when you talk about the blood, now when you talk about sacrifice, you know how much it costs and it wasn't cheap. You realize that it wasn't just some ordinary thing that just happened. It's not just some ordinary thing that we just do on the first Sunday. Freedom ain't cheap. This thing cost a lamb. Cost Jesus, the lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world that I might be born again. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.